Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And I am back with us for our part two, Matthew Foster of Few Pies. How are you doing today, Matthew? Good, good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. So, Matthew, I mean, last we left off, we sort of, the lemon pepper pizza, um, which would lemon pepper chicken pizza, and all of these sort of things you've done. Um, so I want to give the audience sort of some listeners may have not listened into the episode back from February. If you have, go back and listen to part one. But for those who aren't going to go back and listen to it, can you give us give us your, you know, sort of where you came from, quick synopsis, how you got in this business, and then I'll sort of ask questions that I have still left over from the last podcast. But I just give everyone the 411 on who you are and, and why you became a food entrepreneur. For sure. Uh, so Matthew Foster, uh, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, owner and founder of Fuse Pies. Um, I got into, I guess, the industry from um, a young age, but off and on between the restaurant industry and uh, entertainment production. I worked about seven, eight years in each. Uh, then the pandemic happened. Uh, I was working at a pizzeria um, prior to the pandemic. I left that job to go on tour with uh, Nick Cannon and Wild and Out. Pandemic shut that down, so I was at home and I love pizza. So I took my hand at, you know, making pizza and stuck with it. Um, then created the lemon pepper wet pizza, which uh, went viral on Twitter and kind of jump started uh, me uh, starting my own food entrepreneurship and business. Uh, so after lemon pepper wet took off. I started doing uh, pop-ups around uh, Atlanta and neighboring community um, and specialized in 12-inch. I name our pizza Metropolitan uh, because it's rooted in traditional Neapolitan uh, influence. Well, I mean, in just rooted in traditional Neapolitan tradition and recipe, but it's also influenced by the culture in the city of Atlanta. So that's where, you know, I got the, um, I guess, the idea of creating a lemon pepper wet pizza. I could create a pizza that represented where I was from, what would it look like? And that's, you know, where it's fine. So we've been in business now for two years. Uh, we're still um, doing pop-ups around the city, um, as well as a lot of private events and catering. And it's been a good journey so far. And you're really into this space, and I love what you're doing here and sort of the entertainment part of it, number one, and the way you've done your brand. It's sort of there's more than just um, a pizza. You're making an experience for for your clients, and you're right. It is true to Atlanta um, and Georgia and what you're talking about. So, I mean, let's talk about the pop-ups. So you're trying to build a brand now, and over the last two years, you're, mm. you're building this momentum. Um how do you capture it and how do you, you know, at what point is the pop-ups, or is that something you're always going to do or do you feel that, you know, a brick and mortar or some sort of ghost kitchen concept is in your future? Um, definitely brick and mortar is in the future. Um, one thing that I have realized with doing pop-ups is uh, being convenient is uh, a big question, win and key in uh in business specifically food um with you know the pandemic having and turning the restaurant and food industry on its head 
Um, the traditional route of going brick and mortar isn't so much of a have to do or like finite decision that this is the lineage that you move, you go brick and mortar, then you see what's after that. Um, I've seen a lot of people maneuver around that where they do ghost kitchens as well as um, food truck or trailer. Uh, and then there's a lot of different um, people who do food pop-ups. So I realized, of course, I definitely, uh, the next step is actually to get a trailer. So we're closing in on getting a trailer and should have that acquired by the end of the year. Uh, and then, of course, I love that. Been looking at, you know, thank you. We've been looking at, you know, space for brick and mortar. Um, but, yeah, the pop-ups have really helped me expand um, my reach and touch different communities and people that I normally wouldn't. When you go to a certain, you know, part of the city and interact with the people, uh, it, it hits more, I think, and it's it's more of a, a ethos thing, too, as well as, of course, a, a food thing, but they see you out in public, so they get to touch you, see you, see the process of uh your creation and i'm quite frankly they remember that so whenever i'm i've, I've done pop-ups in stone mountain i've done it out alpharetta um of course I'm in all around atlanta people remember whenever i'm coming in i tend to see regulars there so it, it only will add to you know further goals of brick and mortar and having a water and hole for everyone to come to but i definitely see the benefit of you know being convenient uh whatever they may look like if it's pop-ups or it's a food truck or a trailer i plan on having a brick and mortar a place where everyone can come at all times and then also still being in the community and uh, pulling up with the product to people and one of the things about this that I love, and let's, I want to talk about the pop-ups and the way you built your business. And um, I'll just reference something, you know, Dave's, I think it's called Dave's Hot Chicken. Um, I may mess it up, Dave's Fried Chicken, but I believe it's Dave's mm -hmm. Hot Chicken. They built their whole business starting off with pop-ups also. And now they're a chain mm -hmm. of multiple stores. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's good. I think it's also, it allows the, the younger brands, the brands that aren't so quick to franchise and use other people's money it allows you to go into other markets and learn markets like you're learning a lot about the atlanta market the amount Absolutely. of information you're collecting on whether a store should be in a demographic in the long run or not is mm -hmm. you're you're learning it because even if it's five years from now that demographic usually grows so if they're liking your right. pizza now they're going to like it five years from if they don't like it now and that's struggling well we're probably going to stay away from there from a pop-up mm -hmm. but a lot of people go all in it's a geographic location i see new neighborhoods going in let's dive in there but right. it doesn't necessarily work in that neighborhood for some reason and it's just mm -hmm. there's a different preference or all the kids are supported in their community by pizza hut and at mm -hmm. their school and like that type of weird little inner community thing can have a major effect on your business um definitely when you're small definitely. so Definitely. Um, so you know, what are some of the things like, that you learn from pop-ups? I mean, give us, I think from an audience standpoint, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you get to learn a lot um, from that. What are some of the things that you feel you've grown from? But I didn't, uh, I'm sorry I interrupted you, Matthew. Oh, no, you're all good. You're all good. Um, you definitely learn, as you were alluding to, uh, different demographics, specifically on, like, the geographical landscape. So some... In certain areas, they prefer this. In certain areas, they prefer that. 
um, and then real time experience um, in front of customers. Um, being able to touch the people, I think, is one of the the biggest blessings of doing pop ups because you get first first real reactions to your food. It's not like they take it and walk away and they go home and eat it. Um, it's not like it's getting delivered to them via the, a third party app. So, you know, there's you know different influences and things that could go awry in that whole process. So yeah, no kidding. When you finish the product and when they get it, uh, you you get to really shake hands and kiss babies and understand what your constituents like. So I I do um, a pop up every Tuesday in the West End and I rotate different specials and I have regulars come in now and of course there's a lot of new customers but I've developed regulars that come in every Tuesday looking for the special and I can download with them and see what what's good what's not what they think I should try next. But also, you know, a lot of people have a lot of good ideas as well. And um, I, I love taking advice and just picking brains of people who genuinely support me and my product, who have no affiliation with me besides I like your pizza because they're honest and genuine and they, they really want to see you win. Yeah, so absolutely. I've met quite a few people who, um, and then that's another thing too, you never know who you're going to run into. If I had a wall in between me at a ghost kitchen, I wouldn't be able to develop some of the relationships that I have with people who I know for sure would be able to help me down the line and have helped me, you know, right away. Yeah. Just a talk, you know, words of wisdom and advice from a, a neighboring uh, entrepreneur or someone who's been in a in a, any type of field of business. Because, uh, you know, as I put it last week, a lot of things permeate. Um, each other and are connected. Like I see a lot of similarities from one industry to the next. So to be able to talk to these people uh, is a big bonus as well. Well, and I think that um, one of the great things about when you do do what you're doing and you pop up and you're touching multiple people, you're not spending all your budget in one community, which we talked right. about. You're touching a lot of different communities, so you're getting a lot of different perspective, and you're building mm -hmm. a lot of different demographic perspectives of your product and that loyalty and what you're talking about and that feedback that's starting to come back i agree with you it's like it's so important because they're the ones who are actually buying the food there are the ones okay. who are like okay well maybe our customers would like this product why not it's you know i don't my ideas are just mine i'm my only customer but this is a customer right. that's actually paying for my product and sometimes mm -hmm. In food business, it's it's hard to see it, but usually the customer is right, and sometimes they yeah. have the best idea that actually makes you your business the most successful. And in in the long run, it's probably eventually all customer ideas because yeah. if you really listen, because they're going to tell you what sells, they're going to tell you what's trending, they're going to tell you what they're feeling, and it's mm -hmm. like let's not go after every idea. Obviously, you want to filter stuff, no. but I agree with you. I think there's a huge ability. Um, or should I say huge advantage in terms mm -hmm. of the financial advantage of saving money by just being able to be close to your customers, especially at the beginning while you're trying right. to develop something. And this goes back to something, and, and I don't know if anyone in the audience knows, but Subway actually started off with two concepts. One was mm -hmm. called Subway. That's where they built all the subs and everything was customized and you weren't set with a set sandwich. And then the other one was more like the Blimpies model, which is like there were like eight set sandwiches and that's what you could order and you couldn't really vary. And I don't remember what the name of that concept was. But either mm -hmm. way, 
that was the other concept. So it's not uncommon. And then even when they did do Subway before they committed to Subway as a concept, they opened another store and another store on the Subway concept to make sure that it was a viable option over the one which they thought would be better. They thought people wouldn't want to choose and it'd be too much hassle to choose their individual items. Mm-hmm. People, like, we, choice. Yeah, people like choice. People like choice. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the same, and that's part of what the pop-up advantage is, I feel like, is, is it, it helps people learn. Like, if I'm going to grow this outside of where I start, I'm going to need a greater mm-hmm. mindset And versus changing my product as I grow. There's a right. lot of ways that what you're doing with the pop-ups, especially like out in Alpharetta and, and Stone Mountain, mm-hmm. that you're getting such dim- different demographical views. Oh, yeah. And what they prefer on pizza or, or how they mm-hmm. perceive pizza um even though it's a few miles away for lack of a better term or 20 25 miles whatever it is it's mm-hmm. um it's people have different perspective and they prefer different things toppings and different palettes and grew up in different homes definitely. with different spices they're accustomed to so um definitely so i don't remember where um where we left off fully last time other than that mm-hmm. you're you were starting to think about okay how am i going to take this to the next level am i gonna mm-hmm. add more things to you and uh other than wings which i think we i mean other than pizza mm-hmm. did you and wings if you've gotten into those and how do you then determine like are you experimenting with new pizzas um we talked about the clients have new pizzas the lemon peppers your most popular but are there mm-hmm. other things that are sort of popping up? You're like, oh, this is going to be a menu staple. Lemon pepper pizza is my pizza that's my Atlanta home, you right. know, represent. But it's like, what's the other one? I mean, are there other ones that have sort of come up? Oh. I know, you know, pizza, Little Caesars is like a pizza, pizza or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, so I, I play with different recipes and pizzas all the time. And usually at my Tuesday pop-up at Bob's, um, I test them out, so I put it on the menu. Um, sometimes I give them away, like, "Hey, try this. Let me know what you think." And uh, I also do a nightclub now, every Monday and Friday night from like midnight to about four a.m. Oh. And most of the people who I, you know, work alongside who are in the club industry and own this specific club, a part of the promotion or management group, are from New York. So New York has a staple bodega sandwich called a chopped cheese. Yeah. Much like uh, Philly has a cheese steak. It's similar to it, Yeah, um, but it's a chopped cheese. So that's been one that I put on the menu recently that they all love and is now picking up and, you know, having big traction, which I think uh, I'll put on the menu because um, I just had it there. You know, I like to test out the markets. I figure out, all right, this market might like them because you have a lot of New Yorkers, a lot of people from urban city areas who could appreciate, you know, uh, a bodega-style sandwich or pizza or just, you know, a quick deli style. You know, people who grew up around bodegas, delis, things of that nature from, like, the tri-state area. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I realized, all right, this is good, and it's a different twist like you've seen the philly cheesesteak pizza yeah done by papa john's domino anyone would try to do that and a lot of people have suggested it but i was like all right how can i do something different that's what all the pizzas uh from few pies i've created thus far have spawned from 
And um, I like that because I think people try to do staples from cities, but they don't actually grasp onto what the staple is. And that's, exactly. and I, I spent a lot of time in New York. So yes, the chopped cheese and especially for late night food, you know, it was always exactly. pizza or a chopped cheese because they were easy right. and they sat well. And I don't mm-hmm. know why it's just what happened. Um, yeah. So you, you fully understand like being, but you will only know that if you were in the community, I think yeah. that's another thing that my pizza tells a story about too is, these are com- community-based pieces, if you will. Like you wouldn't know lemon pepper was a thing, uh, and it's, it, it would be such a rave to put it on a pizza, and why it's such a success here. If you weren't part of like the culture fiber, if you weren't down here and experienced it, so if you weren't of real New York, if if you will, what they'll say, yeah, you know, real New Yorkers know about Taki. <clears throat> That's what I would say to real New Yorkers. Yeah. Real Even though I wasn't born there, food. but I spent enough time there to know what real New Yorkers right. know or food and live there. And then, too, I haven't seen it done. Like, I've seen a chopped cheese for sure, but I've never seen the rendition of a pizza. So even my New York friends, my buddies, and I, I bet it them. Like, they were the first people to get it. I was like, if y'all say it's good, then we're going to keep it going. And it was like, oh, this is fire. So, yeah. all right, we're going to keep it going. So now, when I show up to the club, I have 10 employees coming up to me before I can park. He's like, yo, you got chopped cheese, right? Yes. He's like, all right, cool. And they, <laughs> yeah. they're doing their different variations now. Let me get mine with uh, bacon. I want uh, jalapenos on mine. I want hot sauces. So much like they would do in New York. So I think that's uh, another pizza that could. I don't. I don't. I don't think anything would surpass a lemon pepper wet because that's just its own monster. <laughs> but it, it could be another cultural relevant, you know, dish that comes from. I just, uh, I, I love this. I think it's a great idea, and I, I, I love that it came out of that. I also like that the late night food industry. People don't realize that so many great ideas come out of it. Like, man, and it's so underserviced. It's an underserviced industry. It is. People are very hungry once they leave out of whatever establishment after having a certain amount of adult beverages. (laughs) Yeah, beverages, dancing, whatever, talking. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, too, like, it's, I mean, of course, some drunk people are annoying. Most of them are entertaining, but some do have some really good, you know, ideas about pizza. What they put together, I see, is like, oh, that was really good. I might have to, I might have to try that out. Yeah. Especially. I absolutely um, agree with you. And people, and things pick up or things get on menus, you know, it's, and, trend for no apparent reason i mean we look at the hot chicken trend that's going on right now it's just crazy yeah i feel like this is the second wave of it too yeah uh actual hot chicken was big back in like i want to say 2017 2018 (laughs) yeah it was a rush of that i remember then yeah i agree with you on everybody's menu at least down here in Atlanta, some type of natural hot chicken yeah it's a big thing i see tons of it and tons of concepts popping up and it's crazy it's good and but i mean it just shows you that okay everyone thought kfc you know popeyes church's chicken whatever else is out there i'm trying to think of the other Mm -hmm. ones but like they had they saturated the market but we've seen like oh chicken tender places we have raising canes here that are popping up in colorado Mm -hmm. and now you have all the nashville hearts we have a bird call which is a chain here that's popping up and they're so you know, Dave's Hot Chicken we just talked about, 
And so it's like, there's so much room and food with a growing population and the medicine's getting better. So there's just more of us and more of us to eat and growing population. So there's lots of room guys for entrepreneurs and being, especially in America, entrepreneurial and food and how much opportunities there. So I like this. I like what you're doing here because Mm -hmm. like everyone's like, Oh, what's another pizza guy going to do or whatever. But what you're doing is you're developing it's not just another cookie. It's not just another pizza. No, we know who Matthew Foster is, and it's going to be like Colonel Sanders because he's listening to his clients and he's finding the things that work the best that have an appeal. Oh, if I'm from Atlanta and I'm in eventually in wherever place and I'm in a few pies, I may go back to my roots and get a lemon pepper. But hey, exactly. if I'm in Atlanta and I'm now I'm a New Yorker who you know a lot of New Yorkers have moved all over the country because of what happened to COVID. Right. Especially COVID New Yorkers and Californians all of a sudden just like populated the middle and the South States and um, for good reason. And they took their choice of food with them. Um, It's not the first time on the podcast we've talked about this. So I like what you're doing, Matthew, because I think that you're totally the type of person that's deep rooted in your community and believe that that's part of your business um and also lifting up those around you who are also lifting you up now um i feel like with giving you the ideas because you know ideas are usually i don't know there's a way that they come to you they're spoken to you sometimes when you best need them yeah for sure for sure it's actually kind of follow that same suit everyone's saying you need to do this type of pizza and i heard philly all the time you just do a philly cheesesteak pizza and you know we have a, a a guy named Dave as well. He has Dave's cheesesteak. He's from West Philly. He moved down here, and he's uh, huge here. He's uh, blown up big, just like uh, Slutty Vegan has. I'm sure you heard of Slutty Vegan. Yeah, of course. Dave's cheesesteak is a uh, a food staple and pioneer here in Atlanta. Um, so of course, with you know him having the best cheesesteak in, in the city. Everybody, you should you should one collab. They said they were like that will come later. Come, I don't want to reach. I want it to be reach across, not reach up. Um, but yeah. I'll see I'll see Dave when I see Dave. But I know it's yeah. Happen. Um, but they're saying you should do a cheesesteak pizza. It's like, I mean, I, I see that on Papa John's menu right now. Uh, I've seen so many people if they start doing a deviating from what is traditional pizza, like Italian. You know, that's one of the quick ones they go to. Um, I like barbecue chicken, so I don't have a barbecue chicken pizza on my meat. Yeah. And he's like, we, it's been, what can we do different? So I was like, all right, I'm teased. Because I got a lot of New York friends. Uh, I recently just came back from New York from a wedding. So I was like, all right, what did we meet when we was there? So I, I did get a chopped cheese. So boom, let's this, this do chopped cheese. So hearing ideas and, and balancing you know, filtering really what you think is feasible, what's good, what's not, and then trying it out too. Like, uh, you don't know if it's going to be great until you actually give it a shot. And that's just with business, period. Like, you don't know what will work until you put it out there. Um, I didn't know the Lynch Perfect Wet was going to do what it did. And it's literally sustained my life for the past two years. And so, I mean, as of right now, you're like, so you're doing the the nightclub on Mondays and Thursdays, did you say? I'd, maybe I was mistaken. And then... Uh, Mondays and Fridays. I Mondays and Fridays. Club, and every Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, 
Right, but I've, I've reduced the amount. I do a lot of private events too. So on top of you know being booked a lot to do private events, I've reduced the schedule um, just so I can put focus on the next big step. Um, so you know, uh, I talk to my dad a lot about business, and he tells me there's you know two two jobs that you work when you have your own your own company or your business. You work in the business and you work on the business. So I have made time to work on the business uh, instead of devoting all my time to working in the business. And there have been times where it's been frustrating because, you know, the money wasn't the same, but the goals are being accomplished now. I have like a blueprint and a set plan because I have time to do that, to grow the business. Uh, so I think that's a very uh, key point too. Um, to take take time out to work on the business while you're working in the business. And it's very easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and just trying to generate revenue. And but I what agree. What do you do with it if you have no plan? You have to take time away from that in order to, you know, increase your value. Because uh, you can go out and make two $300 each and every pop-up, and that'll be good for a while, but if you don't take the time to elevate that to where now you're making Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where the when you start to focus not only in the business, in the business you're so hustling and you're almost like sometimes in a crisis mode just trying to live through the event and get your oh, money out and not lose money, that you forget that, um, that you don't have to live that way, that there's a long-term goal here um, and perspective of, of maybe I need to cut back and lose a little bit of money here, not by being bad at business, by not chasing revenue for 12 hours maybe only for eight hours a day exactly and where i can start to scale my business better or you know what if i made a pizza that was that became as marketable as the lemon pepper and that helped me generate more revenue where it just attracted more people within an eight hour period versus having to work 12 hours and so I agree with that 100%. And it's hard because you, if you get too stuck in that habit of crisis mode, it's almost like a drug fiend or an addict. Oh, like is. you, you just is. want, you just search out that running into a burning house every day. You and feel inadequate not going out and making money. Yeah. It feels, it feels terrible. Yeah. Like I didn't work today. Like yeah. I, I missed out on money, but you really got to, and I mean, a lot of the good people around me, and I'm, I'm very blessed to have that, good people around me have showed me, like, hey, man, you got to sit down and do this. Like, you keep chasing this, that's all you're going to get. Yeah. You know, sacrifice two $300 to sit down and make a $3,000 plan. Yeah, um, and, it, and it's... It takes a team, too. It takes a team, because it's very hard for me to pull my head up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, out of the fog and not, not just put my nose... You know, to to the ground and, and grind and work every day. It was time where I worked seven days a week. Yeah. And I was, you know, I had, I was making decent money. You know, I was, I was happy, but at the same time, I was tired. And all I knew was like to just get up and do this over and over and over again. When people around me saw the potential of the overall brand, how far I could take it, it would take sacrificing two, at least two, 
to these days that you're working um, to, to, to plan it, you know. Uh, another thing about the industry is exponential um, on the, the financial side. So it's, it's not guaranteed that you'll make a lot if you put in a lot of work. So you want to work as much as possible to offset that. Like one day you might make $150, next day you might make 1000 uh, so it's, it fluctuates. It's, you know, up and down, peaks and valleys. Um, so that will probably keep you on a path of trying to just work, 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 and stay busy where, you know, it's great to be busy, but you also have to have a plan for your business. Yeah, and, and it's, I know, you know, everyone's like a business plan doesn't matter, but it's your business has to have almost a revolving plan to your point. And if you're not, looking at that and taking a step back. And I think Jocko would link in his books, his leadership books does a great job of talking about this from a military perspective that if you don't pause as the leader and have your troops watch everything while you pick your head up, like separate you from the surroundings, almost separate you from the immediate outcome and be like, okay, where are we? What is my purpose? Am I still meeting the strategy? You can blindly get in this habit of going into like autopilot, even as a leader and doing and ending up being reckless because you end up following the order so abruptly. And I'm not saying everyone will be like, oh, Justin, would you say not to turn the Titanic in the middle of uh, something? Yeah, if Matthew's in the middle of a pop-up and he's got something going on and someone's like, oh, I want this new pizza you never invented and he's got a backup order, I'm going to tell him not to turn the Titanic. Don't tell that person I can't do the pizza right now. I've got my other right. orders. But if it's right. if it's your slowing down because the waters are calm and that's the time to pick your head up and look around you and right. get your bearings and do it, then yes, that's the time to do it. So there's exactly. those two things that I, and I love that you pointed it out. And it's also giving you the patience to build your business brick by brick, yeah, not look right. for any hack. There's no hacks right. in this game, especially in food. No. And so... It's like a cow takes how long to grow. A chicken takes how long to grow before you can eat. It's not instantly in your mouth. You still have to grow the chicken and take care of it. And a food business is the same. It just takes time. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, where's my instant return? Well, it doesn't quite work like that. People have to taste the food also. So um, let's talk about that because you're you're finding a lot of success in in the pop-ups and getting – and flavors and your concepts and tastes into the mouths of, of everyone around you. I mean, do you see that, you know, because few pies attaches to Matthew at P H E W. We've talked about that before, but there's almost like the good, the great thing about what you're doing in the way you're doing is you're also attaching you as a human to the brand, even though the brand stands alone, it also right. they know who the entrepreneur is. So, are you finding that you said private events and stuff, but you're having to back off to build the bigger picture? Is that because of that personal brands also building with the nori- the notoriety of your pizza? For a- absolutely, right. I I have a lot of friends and know a lot of people who do a lot of different things in Atlanta. So I've already had a name few people know me and I have a good reputation on my personal in Atlanta already. So to have the pizza name after me, it's a brand within a brand. Um, so there will be a point where 
uh, I will have to come out of the kitchen and tell more of my story and be more personal because my name is literally on each box that goes out and my everyone is is not someone else's piece or a wacky name or just a made up name. It's it represents me. So there will be a time where I will, you know, have to be branding more of me instead of the pizza. But no, it's definitely uh, for sure, when I first started out, it helped that I had a good name in the city. So people would come and say, oh, you're doing pizza? Yeah, I'm definitely support you. And then on top of that, it's really good. So it, it's uh, a double whammy for me, being that I have great relationships and met a lot of great people uh, here. And from here, too, is also another thing. Like I have a, I'm born and raised here. So it, I think it, it has a different core with uh, audience who actually are from Atlanta who know me, or maybe not know me personally, but are from Atlanta, and then people who aren't from Atlanta um, who get to know me or already know me because they know that uh, Atlanta hasn't been known for pizza. So to have someone who represents Atlanta who does pizza correctly, if you will, and certain guys that does it good, or on the other side, someone who's here and is empowered to see someone who's from Atlanta is empowered to see someone from Atlanta take on, you know, this craft that's not known to be uh, a food stable down here and do good at it. it, it it's inspiring. And I and so, I want. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought there, Matthew. Oh no, no that was it. And I want to see. There's a, a few things that I like here, and and one thing is I want to talk about on this, and we'll use pizza as an example. But, you know, and people have tried to imitate it. Okay, you have Papa Murphy's. It's like a, a pizza that you don't cook, but they've tried to imitate Papa John's, which is why I brought it up, okay? But here's my point. Okay, Papa John's is probably the most successful pizza and pizza franchise that I know of. I know everyone's like Pizza Hut, and then you have like Domino's, which I agree is really popular, and I agree Little Caesars too, okay, and mm-hmm. Mellow Mushroom, and we could go on and on and on, and right. Perry's. But one of the things that papa john's did differently which is why shaquille o'neal is one of the biggest partners and has so many franchises is he attached his personal brand to the brand and especially at the beginning during the growing years and while it's not as attached while we don't see john anymore papa john anymore as much but in the beginning Mm -hmm. years everyone knew he was the entrepreneur that started the first store in the 80s everyone grasped on that they were attaching to that entrepreneur and they were they represented his character and what he was and what shaquille o'neal also knew is the power of the personal brand which is why papa john's was he attached onto a successful brand and it chose them to grow to you know they weren't number one at the time but he knew that that personality that character was someone that he could be like oh they understand personal brands my personal brand with this brand and his personal brand are going to be a totally awesome brand but it's what you're talking about what shaquille O'Neal mm-hmm. and papa john did was they when by the time shaquille O'Neal came in and he was a big name he was as big a name as papa john's and so what? him getting 132 franchise or ever was them complimenting each other and what? So that's one point I want to make. Another one is you will see traditionally that names or people that are attached to an original entrepreneur do better. Um, McDonald's, even though it's not the original entrepreneurs, there was an attachment to the name and the way it went, and it just it tends to do well. 
Um, Chick-fil-A, well, I consider an exception, but everyone knows Trude Cathy. I mean, if you don't know who mm-hmm. he is anymore, and now his third generation, his grandson is just starting to take over the company, I believe. Right. Um, you know, which was smart. The son only took over 10 years. He's like, I did this. We need to make sure the legacy and I don't need to take over forever and let's pass this on to a newer generation since there's young people everywhere. Understands this demographic and the new market. Absolutely. Exactly. And so I think that that's even what, you know, what we're seeing is, okay, if there's these really good entrepreneurs and they become the brand, you know, we under, we know what Chick-fil-A represents. We know what the Truett family represents because of closed on Sundays, because of how much training they put into character before you're even allowed to even get a franchise and so on and so forth. So again, Papa John's represents pizza and this hardworking kid, an American Italian pizza guy who rose up, whatever. Okay. Now, there's, you know, the McDonald's story and the brothers, they built a successful business and Ray Kroc, he took it over in the American entrepreneurial spirit and they grew this business that has more characters than ever. So what I like about what you're doing is Atlanta pizza didn't start off in Italy, just so everyone knows. It most likely started somewhere in Asia based on the way all of it was or the Middle East, okay? And so that being said, Food doesn't belong anywhere. It's to be influenced, and we should share it everywhere. So, you know, Chicago wasn't the original pizza place, nor was New York, no was nor was Naples. So what I like about this is you're attaching your name, you're attaching a brand not only to who your character is, but then you're building a brand that represents those same core values in a lot of way, but also is standing alone to build this business that's truly Atlanta-minded. And here's what I mean by Atlanta-minded, okay? Georgia is an entrepreneurial food state. The Southeast has this because of the farms, because of the populations, because of a a demographic of, of individuals that have been disadvantaged from before that have this entrepreneurial spirit and this drive and food and farms and stuff that we're gonna see a lot of this power out of here. And it's really exciting for me to see because we haven't seen anything yet because Bojangles and churches are, are some of the things or Kentucky Fried Chicken are some things we associate the South with, but right. we haven't seen the power of the franchise or the food entrepreneur coming out of the South like like Matthew Foster here, which is why I've asked Matthew to be up back on here because as I've spent more time in Georgia, I'm hearing the name, and I know how Slutty Vegan sh- did, and she's worldwide now. Everyone knows her. She's yeah. franchising her concept. That's an Atlanta-based company. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a person representing a food business in an area that typically doesn't bounce out franchises or entrepreneurs, but it's built this right. mixing pot and this this thing through universities and support and communities you guys rally around each other in georgia and alabama and florida and we're getting this rallying around each other based on community that's going to propel these brands out you know so what's particularly interesting to me is there's no power like that and in the buzz that's created in the also not only representing the south but you just said about new york so which is the South. The South welcomes everyone. It's a very Absolutely. open place everyone. and concepts and, and gives everyone a chance. And it's just like, it's such a beautiful thing and you're embracing it with your pizza. So I, I'm going to get off my soapbox a little bit because I went on <laughs> for there and this shows about 
no, you man, guys as entrepreneurs. But anyone who's listening out there who wants to hear, I'm trying to get more focused on concepts that are different in the food <clears throat> entrepreneur space where the entrepreneurs are actually disrupting and making a difference and and building around character as individuals and showing leadership. And in my belief, these are businesses and individuals that are going to build national businesses, if not international businesses in the long run. And that's what I believe in you, Matthew, is that you've created something here. You're two years of gaining those 10,000 hours, which happens a lot faster when you're trying to make a living and you're bouncing from two, $300 gigs every day. Let me tell you from my own experience that you're like, oh my yeah. God, every day and you get in that rut, those 10,000 mm -hmm. hours build up a lot because you end up with 18, 20 hour days a lot of the time. Yeah, easy, easy. Even, and, even, even in your days, in the hours in which you're not working, your, your mind is working. Yeah. I'm always constantly busy. Always constantly It's like having a child. Like something is always there. I mean, I don't have a kid, so I know, and I'm not trying to say this is having a child. Yeah, for anyone out there who has children, yeah. you know, I don't know what it is to raise a child yet. But yeah. I can understand the feeling or the anxiety of always constantly worrying about something that isn't specifically you, another entity, and wanting the best for it. And are you doing the right thing? Should you be doing something different? You know, I I definitely understand that. And it's you know I've had friends who say, yeah man, I, yeah that that's relatable right there. There's a lot more that goes into raising a child or running a business, but I I can see eye to eye with you know your take on that. Yeah, it's one of those things, and I understand, and people have children, they balance, I have stepchildren, but like I gave my life to learning and being an entrepreneur and then learning more and felt like all the people I employed um, were my children, and I had to make sure that they could get their kids through college and their children were taken care of. So it ends up, you as an entrepreneur, you end up with an interesting perspective because, and as a step-parent now that has children, I get, I didn't raise children in the same perspective because they're not mine but i get wanting them to be okay and protective of them it is the same as the business i'm also that but it's this crazy thing like you're investing in a legacy in your children but as a business owner you're investing in that same legacy and the yeah. business is an llc that's like an organism that's like your children if you have multiple businesses it becomes multiple children and so there's a lot of it, and while it's not the same, and I think raising humans is a much more intense, and Absolutely. Um, there really is no turnoff on that one. <laughs> no. And the reward and the benefit and the legacy is that much greater. Um, right. But it's crazy what happens, though. You do worry about your business 24-7, and just like you do your children, and... Um, as for me, and I will say even as a, a male, I'm more protective, I feel like I have two streams of thought, which is always how do I protect my business and how do I protect my family? And it's interesting Absolutely. because there's a lot of that there. And it doesn't mean I'm not someone who moves forward or takes risks. It just, rem it just means that I yeah, think there's a comfort where most people have in their salaries or their work. Maybe I might lose a job or here or there and I need to find another one and nothing's certain. But there's always that uncertainty about children. But as an entrepreneur, you have an uncertainty of both. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because this is something I would love to pass down to, you know, my kids when I have them and them pass it on. And I'm, I'm big on nepotism. Like, if I could 
you know, help the next generation after me purely because they're related to me, I'm for it for sure. It's, Absolutely. You know, a lot of, you know, immensely rich families have started with that same concept is, you know, it's been passed down through generations. Uh, so if I could create generational wealth now to where like my grandkids, grandkids could have it better than I did, you know, cause hopefully with the next generation, it's, it gets bigger and better. Uh, I'm, I'm for that. that that's something I agree with you. 100%. To, you know, create the creation part too. It's like, we're not doing this just because I love pizza. Uh, we're doing this to change lives as well. And not just, I mean, of course, the lives that are directly descendant of me, but as you said, um, we're running a business. You think about the other people who work with you or for you, you know? Yeah. Um, and as you an entrepreneur, your you, dream you has to be. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You have employees, you think about the mouths they got to feed. Yeah. So you want to make sure you have enough work for them to do so that's another thing, you know, that keeps you up at night. It's like, am I doing enough to sustain not only myself, but I got people who help me do this. And then your dream has to be so big that it fits all the dreams of your employees. And if your business yeah, is going to grow, it's got to be really, really big. Right. And it's almost so most people, people it's going to be unfathomable up. what your dream has to be as an entrepreneur to grow and take care of everyone. Exactly. And like, I want to pay the people who help me, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's like. You 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 were there when we was making nothing. Yeah. So write your check yeah. within reason, of course. Yeah. Write your check. Yeah. The aspirations and the goals and the dreams are that big, so that's never lost. And you, I think about that too all the time. And I think here's the goal. I think if the individual and in, you know where we're talking about nepotism is and where we lost this, like his history hasn't treated that properly because. Tr like we have to take the framework that we weren't even treating humans in general properly for how many thousands right. of years. Okay. And we're still right. not doing a great job of it now, but now. that mm -hmm. being said is that that hereditary wealth or hereditary responsibility comes down to us as humans and individuals and entrepreneurs to educate our children and give them responsibility and an understanding of money and with great power becomes great responsibility. Maybe they're never going to go through the, the freaking never having any money or only getting $200 a day scrapping mm -hmm. along as an entrepreneur. But we certainly as entrepreneurs in our families and in our businesses can create those stressors that help them not be so entitled both our employees yeah. and our business because our employees are going to get entitled to just like our children and that's what people yeah. don't realize who aren't entrepreneurs that yeah you can have become wealthy and get entitled children but really what also happens is people that come wealthy and don't properly train and focus on growth of the next generation and some of this stuff that we're talking about which is giving everyone the tools to also succeed not just the money um you know they have problems and those legacies don't last and that's they why don't. people they think that way. and they so look at gucci, gucci yeah was a prime example yeah where the next generation was not ready for it and then now someone else owns it. One of the yeah. biggest fashion houses the world's ever seen, which is a is a family owned company, is yeah. no longer. Hey, you know? Yeah. 
And so that's where it's like, and a lot of companies go that way because the kids sell it off or they don't run it properly or whatever. But it's a lot of it comes back to how do we as entrepreneurs, the same stressors that lead to the success in our businesses, that's what leads to the success in our families. And the downfall mm-hmm. is usually the entitlement. And it's like you said, yeah. it's either the children or the, the great-grandchildren or the grandchildren or or in businesses, it happens to be management or management that's been there from the beginning that you know, was overcompensated. We tend to do that as entrepreneurs. Also, we take care of people and then we give them entitlement problems. And so there's things like that, that I think that to your point, yes, it's 100% what we should do. And we should build that legacy and that generational wealth. And we should bring, build that generational knowledge and leadership skills, I think as well. And to what you're doing, Uh, Matthew, I think from a business standpoint, and we talked about like Chick-fil-A and all that, is you're attaching these core values, which is being part of your community and inclusive. You know, we're from Atlanta, but I am inclusive of this thing from New York. And and, but I'm not just because everyone else is throwing on a Philly cheesesteak doesn't mean that we have to. I'm inclusive, but I'm also reasonable in my business to know that that's what everyone else does. That doesn't make me who I am. So cool exactly for sure we're not here to reinvent the wheel we're just here to put new tread on it yeah i love that and it's where it's it's it is is perfect it works just fine and it's circular much like pizza pizza is perfect it's the most popular food in the world everybody likes pizza um and we're not trying to reinvent pizza we're not trying to square it diamond it you know deconstruct it any of that, not yet. We'll we'll get to a level where we'll play around in some upscale flavors and you know different looks. But no, what are we trying to do? Put our own mark on it, which is tread. Put our own stamp on it, and you know, I my stuff is super Atlanta and inner city, and I listen to my constituents. It's the best thing you could do. Uh, I came up with a good idea and it worked, but I also I'm ta- it, it worked because I'm tapped in to where I'm from and my surroundings and knowing what people will gravitate to and, and like, and that comes strictly from being out in the field and touching hands and seeing people and going to different communities from, you know, Bankhead to Buckhead from rich neighborhoods to, to poor neighborhoods. Everyone likes pizza, but you realize, you know, touching different demographics, uh, uh, I guess a, a fiber of thread that connects them all. And if you can create a product that pulls everybody in, lemon pepper wet, you know, it, it, it's it's something that transcends everything else. It's just strictly Atlanta, and you know that's what we got in our hands now. Uh, I'm I'm very excited for this, and I like that you guys are doing the food trailer and looking at a pop up as well. Um, so you know. We've taken a lot of time here, but I want to give the audience a little bit more of your time. Um, why the food trailer in mobile unit? Uh, you're doing the pop-ups, which means you're sort of portable now, so you're finding spaces. Um, how you do that is probably time for another podcast, because that in and of itself is interesting, how <laughs> you find pop-up space. Um, but it's um, why the food trailer or a truck as your next step? Um, I'm big on, I had a motto uh, growing up, still, you know, live by now is respect the baby steps. Um, of course, 
with popularity and people, you know, praising and telling you what it could be or you should get a restaurant, that is a goal. But um, in doing my own personal research, that's a lofty goal for me right now. Um, something that will enhance my experience and income would be to get a trailer, which isn't as lofty. Uh, I mean, it still is, you know, there's a uh, financial um, situation and everything that goes into that, much like, you know, building out a restaurant is far less. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, it is, uh, I won't say a financial burden, but it is definitely a nice piece of change. Um, but it also still keeps me on the same path of what I'm doing now, which is being uh, mobile being in a community, being able to be convenient to certain crowds and demographics. I've also taken that open notch. So now I can produce more pizzas in a short amount of time so I can service larger crowds. It also puts me back into a realm that I'm comfortable with and I've been working in, which is entertainment, because I've worked with shoot, countless people in countless different production houses here in Atlanta. So the minute I say I have a food trailer, a food truck. I'll have plenty of work from the movie and television industry. Um, this also opens up doing festivals, uh, concerts, because again, I, being from Atlanta, knowing a lot of people. Yeah, uh, and that's big down there. I'm, I don't think I'm anyone knows. Into, exactly. I'm tapped into uh, the music side as well. So um, getting that would just only... In, it, it'll be a great next step, which won't have as much of financial hardship as a brick and mortar. Won't take as long with you know paperwork permits, um, codes, and all that good stuff. Um, I mean, the only downside is having a brick and mortar. You have somewhere that everyone could come every day. So no matter what, they're not looking for you. Um, but it's a lot of overhead that goes into that as well. Overhead with a food trailer, um, and specifically trailer too. I wanted a trailer because a food truck is pretty long. So food trucks are at least eighteen to twenty feet, and a lot of spaces um, that I work with now just don't have that much space. So it'd be kind of awkward, if you will, working that in. Where if I had a trailer that's like twelve to fourteen, max sixteen feet that's a lot more doable in smaller spaces and situations that I could unhitch and move on. Um, well, and, in Atlanta, you're talking about smaller parking spots and it's always hard to find yeah, spots for trucks. For sure. For sure. And then like, if I'm, if I'm doing a pop-up at a brewery, um, it's a lot easier to maneuver a trailer into the designated area that they have, which is usually 12 to 16 feet. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of places, places don't a lot for 18 to 20 feet for a food truck to come through. Um, but also, too, if something goes wrong on the trailer, I could just drop it and continue on doing my pop-up as I normally do now. Whereas if something goes wrong on the food truck, I'm kind of done for the day. I got yeah. the food truck. So I can, and then I can do multiple things at one time. I can drop the trailer over here and go do a pop-up over here. So the trailer goes to set for whatever movie's being shot at Tyler Perry Studios. And it's there all day. Um, but I can still do my pop-up yeah. uh, in the West End at Boss. 
I love that, and I think it's and I think trailers are a much better way to go anyway. But that's just me. Mm -hmm. It's too much reliability on the engine in your business, and you don't have enough flexibility to drop and go. I think it's right. really cool about the Tyler Perry Studios. I I know how big they are in yeah um, New York right. I mean in Atlanta right now, just outside of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I said New York. We're I was thinking of Studios, a uh, Silver Screen mm -hmm. or whatever in Astoria. But anyway. Um, it's um that's a big lead they do a lot of production there there's a lot of movies produced there oh, yeah. i know marvel's done a lot of stuff down there mm -hmm. recently and right. so like that's part of the appeal georgia also has this whole movie business industry i think it's like number two right now um number compared two, yeah. yeah in the country just because it is so good to do business down there particularly in the film industry and with companies like Matthew and, and entrepreneurs are so much supportive of what's going on down there and from yeah. catering to whatever. The other yeah. thing I like about the trailer, just for standpoint of you and you're building your own brand and your name is as you build few pies, you're also almost in a way establishing that Matthew Foster can also have Matthew Foster catering, which is something that did mm -hmm. around your personal brand and you, well, okay, this business builds and I, I build it and whether it's a franchise model or a corporate model right. and I build this pizza concept as a brick and mortar, I also can have the flexibility to build my own catering thing, which also is an additional income, which is Absolutely. good for entrepreneurs, guys, as you build personal brands and such it's okay to use your celebrity or your personal yeah. thing to still service these individual high-end clients that you built you that also came up while they, you know, they may have been like, oh, I was just trying out for a movie and I tried your food on set. And you said, this is just an analogy. And you rose mm -hmm. up together. And so you have yeah. this tie together. It's okay to still work with them or do their parties and stuff like that. And, and, yeah. and maybe it's too big for the business that you built, but you have your own catering business on the side. And a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of chefs that become entrepreneurs or chef entrepreneurs, if you will, um, not just yeah. restaurateurs, they build these things and they have these things to make extra money and be successful as entrepreneurs also. And that extra money matters in case your business ever needs it. You want to have other sources. So I yeah. like this, uh, Matthew, no, and what you're doing. Definitely. That's funny. Me and my brother were talking uh, in the early stages of me doing pop-ups. He was saying, I need to get into a certain market of like birthday parties. So we built out a whole concept. Like when we hit this, you know, uh, milestone in the business. We're, we're going to start this subsidiary to just service strictly birthday parties. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of what you're saying. It's like, yeah. you know, yeah. celebrities, you can do all celebrity birthday parties. Who don't want pizza at their birthday party? Like, hey, that's right. Yeah. And I always say this and people are like, oh, I don't know what to do and I'm stuck in my business. I'm like, what are the things you do well? Where's the opportunities? Dime both the things you do well, dime it down, dime down the opportunity, create a subsidiary business, and go ham on it. But it needs to be simplified. Yeah. And so you just did it. You simplified it. You concentrated on one focus market. It's what you're good at, and you have this, you know, whether it's pizzas or just the whole parts pizza party atmosphere, like, that's a mm -hmm. good idea, right? So, like, that's sort of always people always are like advice. I'm like... You know, I don't understand. Like consultants get paid all this thousands of dollars to spend all this time with all these food companies, and it's really like this: What do you do well? 
dime it down <laughs> and figure out how to scale it. And that's how you'll make money. And that's how you make yeah. your margins. And yeah. so, um, and it's what you're doing well with the pizza. Like what you knew you did well was pizza. Then you figured out how do I get a concrete item? Oh, it's lemon pepper. Now I got to scale it. Well, how do I scale it? Well, I've got to build the lemon pepper pizza or Sergeant lemon pepper for a lack of, mm -hmm. and, and he's got to have his yeah. buddies, you know? Yeah. So it's, you know, there becomes an arsenal that comes along. And by, by doing the food trailer also, what I like also, and entrepreneurs are always so rushing to try to get their business off the ground. And we wonder yeah. why the percentage is like, oh, a 90% fail in the first three years or whatever. It's because we're in such a rush. Like, and right. then we outrush our money and we outrush oh, the yeah. lessons we're supposed to learn. And we're outrushing, you know, the customers that we're supposed to meet along the way to get the things that we're supposed to learn. And... That's what's also what I like what you said. If you're a ghost kitchen, ghost kitchen, you're not touching the clients all the time. Is this, it's so important that as an entrepreneur, these, you can't, there is no cheat code to this. There is no hack in life to get around the first three to five years you need as an entrepreneur, especially in the food business. And yeah. so even what you're saying is I'm going to take a step and I'm not going to build this subsidiary until there's, I hit a certain milestone, but I'm planning. So there's a strategic plan. It's essential and not most people don't do it, which is if anyone's listening, when I said Matthew is one of those few entrepreneurs that I bring on the podcast now, because I believe that they have that business that they're going to scale and they are an individual who's built a personal brand and they are an individual who will be successful in the long run. It's because of all the things I'm talking about or we just talked about and most don't put them all together like Matthew's doing. So, um, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. No, and I, you know, and I think that there's so many times where entrepreneurs are doing really well and they get help and there's a lot of negativity also that's thrown them or that's not pizza or things that may come at you and they don't mm -hmm. have the support of someone who's been through it or they don't see someone who's made it and all they need is someone to just say, you know what, I've been there. I believe in you and what you're doing is right. You care about the character of the human you care about giving back to the community you care about, giving back to the humans who give back to you, not only the employees, but all the individuals in the community, the vendors, the, the customers, the clients. And there's just a perspective there. And in saying that you agree, you know, you're a supporter of nepotism and must be like, oh my God, whatever, as Americans, what you're actually saying is you actually take ownership as Matthew for the responsibility that you have to build a legacy and that it takes more than just a passerby and sending them off to a school to be raised by somewhere else. I'm going to raise children to build, help take care of this other thing that I built. And if we looked at it as humans, as that's what we do when we raise children, but it's also our responsibility when it's, when we say it takes a village to raise yeah, children, that yeah. means that we're all responsible. Every interaction we have with other humans, old or children, we have this sort of thing that we're raising each other. People raise me up every day. I learned something from Matthew right now. You know, the yeah. podcast is a two way street for me because I probably learn more from you guys than you learned from me. You know, so, you know, but I hope it's a level playing field and then I'm giving you exposure and stuff like that. So it is sort of that, that come up. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this is a privilege of mine to, to be able to, you know, speak with you and just tell my story and have, have the platform to, you know, express what, I, what I've been through thus far. And hopefully, 
it impacts or helps somebody. Uh, but I know talking with you has already helped and impacted me. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm very thankful and appreciative of what opportunity. You're a good dude, and I'm I'm looking forward to a part three because we're definitely going to talk about the pop-up thing and how all that and how you find places because I think we could do a whole thing on that. So I'll definitely mm-hmm. be reaching out to you again, Matthew, um, over the next few weeks to probably set something up after the holiday so the audience knows. Absolutely. And, um, but, Matthew, as we finish off this episode, we have like 10 more minutes, I would say. It's mm-hmm. up to you whether you want to use it or not, but... I feel that I should give you some time to just, you, you've let me talk a lot here, but I just want to give you a platform mm-hmm. to just reach out to anyone or talk about something that means to you if we haven't already covered it or anything you want to pass on to entrepreneurs or your community um, right now. Um, I put you on the spot. I'm I sorry. No, we are all good. All good. Um, if anything, I'll say is just be thankful. I'm, I'm super thankful for uh, the people who have supported me, uh, whether it's been someone helping me with a pop-up, supporting me monetarily by buying my food, um, giving me a platform to tell my story like yourself, um, or just showing love any way they could, whether it be a phone call, text message, social media. Um, without, you know, y'all, I am nothing. Like my favorite rapper, Lil Wayne, he says that all the time. Yeah. And I, I picked that up even like without the people, we really are nothing. So if you keep that um, in the back of your mind and really in the front of your heart, I think you'll, you'll go far because uh, we're here to service. You know what I'm saying? That is what we're here for. Uh, and these people do not have to spend their hard-earned money on, you know, the food that we put out in the atmosphere. So... It's a, a blessing to be able to do what we're doing. Um, and I don't take it for granted. Like, I, I work nine to five. It's a lot of different jobs. So having uh, a 24-7 <laughs> is what I thought I traded in a nine to five. But 24-7 still is very um, worth, you know, the, the, the switch and fulfilling for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'll any advice I would give anyone is, like I said last time, start, don't quit, um, and respect the baby steps. Go through each and every emotion that you can, and don't try to skip ahead. Don't. There are no shortcuts. So if you think you found one, you haven't. Um, it's it's just called hard work. And <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it. And I and I agree with you. I think so many entrepreneurs or people that. try to become entrepreneurs or end up sole proprietors or red shrug tours they get so focused on the money and not the service or my their opinion or i opinion and really part of the service is what is the customer saying what is the idea that's out there you know and you have to be brave enough to put out the ideas to get the feedback and it just it takes a different you know a different level of confidence yeah like you said it's a two-way street yeah. Two way street. We're having a, a dialogue with our food and the customers. So yeah, always. Them and we hear back what what's good and what's not, and we just want to keep a, a healthy, good dialogue. 
Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And Matthew, as we close up, will you just let the audience know where they can find you online? Um, give everyone your pop-up schedules again. If you have addresses that you want to go into detail, that would be really great because as much detail as we can, I think, would help a bunch. So it's, it's all yours. Absolutely. Um, so my pop-up schedule right now is Monday nights at Aura Lounge. Um, it's, uh, I'll be there midnight to 4 a.m. Ooh, I forget the address. I know it's off of Far Road in Atlanta, but if you uh, Google search Aura Lounge on there, Mondays and Fridays, 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. And then my most consistent, best pop-up that I do is Tuesdays at Bob Social Supply from 5 to 10 p.m. Address is 1310 White Street, Southwest, Atlanta, Georgia, 30310. And you can find me online. If you want to order pizzas in advance, and come pick them up. Uh, it's www.fewpiespies.com. That's www.fewpies.com. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at fewpies as well. P-H-E-W-P-I-E-S. Yeah, and one of the other things I will say, and I forgot to mention this earlier, you just reminded me, is I love it that you're not focused on the sit-down as much. Like, it's okay to order pizzas to go, and it's okay to service yeah. the clients and talk to them and not... It doesn't. It, you can still interface with the client without having Absolutely. to sit down and wait on them, and, and you're bringing oh, yeah. them to them, and you're still interfacing with them. And so, I think that For that's sure. such a difference in what you're doing with the pizza as well. Is that there's this whole interface and interaction because the pizza is so different, and um, we're we're in a world now because of COVID that you don't necessarily need to sit down in a restaurant. You there's a lot of just people. Most people are getting pizza just to go. They don't sit down and eat in the restaurant right now. And so, I think that starting off the way you did, um, servicing the clients the way you did, has given you an advantage in that way as well. So, um, again, thank you guys. Go ahead. Even when you order online to come pick up, you still interact with me. So yeah, absolutely. That's another, I think, winning point, too, is, like, to see the the namesake of the brand, uh, the face of it, too, as well as the person who you interact with. That's definitely a, that it goes to personal branding. So. Agreed. Thank you again, Matthew, and thank you again in the audience. And everyone, enjoy your weekend, and uh, thank you for listening in.